Christian Heritage Ministry, in cooperation with Fuller Seminary, proudly presents the Old Fashioned Revival Hour, a broadcast of the Gospel with Dr. Charles E. Cole. Without further ado, let's join the Old Fashioned Revival Hour, which is about to get underway. heavenly sunshine you know we always want you to sing with a smile in your voice I've reflected out my what a wonderful audience here today are you ready to sing heavenly sunshine everybody ready to sing put your hand up let's see now all right as you sing through the first time turn around shake hands with everyone all together
while the old-fashioned revival hour quartet will sing Constantly Abiding. There's a peace in my heart that the world never gave, a peace it cannot take away. Though the trials of life may surround like a cloud, I'm a peace that has come there to stay. Constantly abiding, Jesus is mine. Constantly abiding, rapture Savior and King, when peace sweetly came to my heart. Troubles all fled away, and my night turned to day. Blessed Jesus, how glorious Thou art. Constantly abiding, is mine, constantly abiding, rapture divine. He never leaves me lonely, whispers all so kind. I will never leave thee, Jesus is Oh, 
Oh, wonderful day. 
from Mrs. Fuller, that is, Honey, reading the letters. I have some good letters to read to you today, friend. The first one comes from Florida, in which a lady writes, I listen regularly to your program. Last month, when I was vacationing and working in the Black Mountains in North Carolina, we went hiking on Sunday morning, and as we passed up the roads and paths, from many of the mountain cabins, we could hear the Fuller program. It seems that sound carries far in the mountains, and it did sound so sweet. From the United States Naval Hospital, a man writes, Dear Sir, I am one of those who knows Christ as my personal Savior. Also, I love the Revival Hour and have been a listener for a long time. I am now in the Mare Island Navy Hospital with an injured back. Last Sunday morning, I tuned in on your program, and there was quite a bit of noise in the ward for the first few minutes but it soon quieted down, for most of the fellows were listening. And you could have heard a needle drop before the hour finished. It blessed my soul, and may God prosper your work. Here is an arresting letter from a treatment station for leprosy in Cebu in the Philippine Islands. Dear Reverend Fuller, greetings to you from the Philippines in the name that is above every name. Someone must have told you that there was a little group of believers in this institution, for you sent some literature to help strengthen our faith in God and to help us grow in the knowledge of his word. We thank him for this bond of love that joins his children regardless of race, distance, or social position. We were much cheered by your kindness. We have heard about your blessed and fruitful work in reaching the unsaved through the old-fashioned revival hour. But we had no radio of our own. The word of God has taught us to let our requests be be made known unto him. We did, and we are thankful he granted the desire of our hearts and sent us a radio. I chanced to tune to Manila, and I heard a religious service. Attentively I listened, and I found it was the very old-fashioned revival hour that I had hoped so earnestly to hear. From that time, we are always listening to your gospel broadcast, and you could not imagine how much your messages and hymns have brought us spiritual comfort. We are glad that you thoughtfully and kindly remember the shut-ins in your hymns and prayers. We are also rejoicing and praising the Lord for the souls that repent and are saved. During that time when hands are being raised, and you reverently say, God bless you, we out here in our affliction, are conscious that we are a little part of that great congregation on the air. Finally, in behalf of the patients in this leprosarium, we send our sincere thanks for your program, which blesses us and cheers us. We pray for you. Please pray for us also. And that is all I shall have time for today, friends.
last Sunday, a very thrilling incident took place here in Long Beach, and I want to pass it on to you, the visible audience, and also to the radio audience. A man came here to Long Beach early, or to the beach last Sunday, very early, to commit suicide, home wrecked by drink, on his way to take his life. And when he came here to Long Beach last Sunday, he remembered that the old-fashioned revival hour was broadcast from the municipal auditorium here in the afternoon, and he waited out in front of this auditorium until the doors were open. And he came in, came forward, and was gloriously saved. And this past week, he was restored to his family, a home saved, a soul saved for eternity. I'm going to ask you to stand now and sing, Pass me not, O gentle Savior. And as you sing in the Spirit, I want you to pray that those that are in darkness will hear the voice of the Holy Spirit wooing them and that they too may find Christ. Someone else may be on the threshold of committing suicide, I don't know. Will you just kneel wherever you are, if you're out in a room or in a hospital, and give your heart to the Lord as we sing this invitation number, Pass me not, O gentle Savior. One verse. for prayer. Our Father, we thank thee that thou art not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And we're thankful today that the blood of Jesus Christ, thy Son, cleanses from all sin and unrighteousness, that thou art willing to forgive us of our sins and put them behind thy back, never to remember them against us anymore forever, blotting them out. We thank Thee for the great redemption that's in Christ Jesus. And may the Holy Spirit right now indict the words and bring many to a place of decision, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, and save me for Christ's sake. For we ask it in his name. Amen.
Is it well with your soul? Listen attentively while the quartet sings, It is well with my soul.
publication, The Heart to Heart Talks, we will be glad to send them to you upon the receipt of your request. I wonder if you know how much it means to us to hear from you, our radio friends of the audience out in the unseen audience. Your regular letters are a great source of encouragement in carrying on this weekly broadcast of the gospel. It is comforting to know that you're standing by in these perilous times when it is so important that we continue to send out the glad tidings of salvation. Perhaps you have personally received some spiritual blessing from this hour, but yet you have failed to tell us about it. Won't you write us today without fail? You are listening to the Old Fashioned Revival Hour with Dr. Charles E. Fuller. His message today is titled, Moses Kept the Passover. I'll provide address information after Dr. Fuller's message. Open your Bibles to the book of Hebrews as we rejoin the broadcast. You're listening to the old-fashioned revival hour brought to you by the Gospel Broadcasting Association from the Municipal Auditorium in Long Beach, California. Charles E. Fuller speaking. just before the message, you'll hear the quartet saying, There is a fountain. Oh, my God. 
Bibles open, please, to the 11th chapter of Hebrews, verse 28. Let me read, through faith or by faith Moses kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. Moses, who by faith refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, who by faith forsook Egypt, you can read it there in the 27th verse, speaking upon the last of the three acts of faith mentioned in connection with him as follows, the 28th verse, which I have just read within your hearing. May I direct your attention to this, that in reference to the first two acts of faith, that these two acts were all personal, that is, relating specifically to Moses, that is, he refused, he forsook, but in reference to this third act of faith, while there is a personal element, yet there is a great difference. For this third act of faith not only affected Moses, but also affected all the people of Israel. Furthermore, this third act of faith not only affected the people of the nation Israel on that memorable Passover night, but that third act has affected people from all kindreds, nations and towns in the intervening centuries and will continue to affect all the redeemed in all ages to come. In other words, this third act of faith mentioned in connection with Moses is of a different character than the first two acts of faith. Now this is all brought out in the little word kept. And I want to pass it on to you. Moses kept, that is, instituted the Passover and instituted the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should not touch them. In reference to the first two acts, there is nothing left of them but their record, their example, their lessons. But here, in reference to this third act, Something took place which has continued down through the centuries, is powerful today, even at this very moment, is powerful 
and will continue to be of great power throughout the eternal ages to come. Let me explain. This word, kept, is a word which, though it speaks of past action, has with it continuing results. Let me repeat. This word, kept, has or speaks of past action, but also has continuing results. Moses kept, that is, instituted the Passover, past action. Its continuing results are twofold. First, the act of faith has been ever since that memorable night of Israel's deliverance from Egypt, telling of Christ, our Passover, slain for us, delivering all who will accept Christ as their personal Savior, delivering them from the bondage of sin, Satan, and judgment, and the powers of darkness. Remember, Christ, the Lamb of God, was foreordained before the foundation of the world, foreordained to shed his precious blood. And he has been manifest in these last times for us. Christ, our Passover, slain for us. Second, this third act of faith, foreshadowing Christ, our Passover, continues on. For First John says that the blood of Christ, God's Son, continually cleanses us from all sin. And so, with the instituting of the Passover, it was not only for that night in Egypt, but continued on to foreshadow the cross of Calvary, and will continue on throughout all the eternal ages. Listen, for Christ, now risen, glorified, bears the marks of Calvary in his sight. And when we see the risen, glorified Christ, and we are glorified with him, we shall know him by the print of the nails in his hand. May we take our Bibles now and turn back to the 11th chapter of Exodus. I like to give these references and like to have you study with us on this, the old-fashioned revival hour. Turning back to the 11th chapter of Exodus, we learn something of the background of this act of faith, which had such a great result then, and still continues to have such a far-reaching result now. The opening chapters of Exodus record the fact that the children of Israel had been in Egypt some 400 years. For several generations they lived in peace, they prospered and were a happy people. But a new king, which knew not Joseph, came upon the throne to rule over that powerful nation. Under the rule of this new king, he proved to be a very cruel, wicked king. He issued proclamations that the children of Israel should become virtual slaves to serve the Egyptians with rigor. In God's time, Moses was raised up the divinely appointed deliverer. Chapter 3 records that. How God appointed Moses 
at the burning bush to go into the presence of Pharaoh. And there in that chapter we find these words. The Lord said, I have heard or I have seen the afflictions of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmaster. For I know their sorrow, foreshadowing Christ our high priest, who can be touched with the feeling of our infirmity. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out onto a land flowing with milk and honey. Well, let's go on. Chapter 5, we see Moses appearing before Pharaoh with a demand, let my people go. Pharaoh is defiant, stubborn, self-willed, disobedient, stiff-necked, just exactly like some of you sinners are. He refuses to allow the children of Israel to go. Then, quickly, one after another, ten judgments from the hand of God come down upon that powerful, proud nation. Nine judgments in quick succession. A pause, then the tenth. The waters of the Nile, the river which the Egyptians worshipped, was turned into blood. Frogs came up and covered the land. Dust was turned into lice. Grievous swarms of flies covered the lands and filled the dwellings. Grievous sickness came upon the cattle, horses, and camels. Men were afflicted with grievous boils. Hail descended stripping the fruit trees and beating the grain stalks to the ground. Locusts came upon the land to eat every herb of the land, even all that the hail had left. And then the night's judgment, darkness. Furthermore, after the night's judgment, Moses was threatened with death from the hands of Pharaoh. Chapter 10, verses 28. I'm 29, let me read them to you. And Pharaoh said unto him, Get thee from me, take heed to thyself, see my face no more, for in that day that thou seest my face, thou shalt die. And Moses said, Thou hast spoken well, I will see thy face again no more. And it came literally to pass. All right. Even though, on the other hand, Moses had promised to deliver them, that is the children of Israel, from bondage. Up to this time, he had not made good the promises. Israel was ready to turn on him, as the Pharisees of old turned on Christ and said, Away with him! Crucify him! They tried to do away with him, even to slay him if possible. On the one hand, death from the hands of Pharaoh. On the other hand, rebellion and possible death from the children of Israel. And Moses, God's man, is in a tight place at wit's end corner. Besides this, double darkness over the land of Egypt. And in the midst of such a desperate situation, God speaks. Moses hears. Moses believes God. Moses institutes the Passover 
and the sprinkling of the blood, lest he, that is God, that destroyed the firstborn, should not touch them. And so we come to chapter 11 of Exodus. Verse 1. I love to give you much of God's word. And the Lord said unto Moses, Yet will I bring one plague more upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterwards he will let you go hence. And when he shall let you go, he shall surely thrust you out hence altogether. A remarkable chapter. Look at verses 4 to 7. I won't have time to read them all. Just to give you the high spots, fourth verse, about midnight, God said, Will I go into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sitteth upon his throne, even unto the firstborn of the maidservant that is behind the mill, and all the firstborn of the beast. Goes on to speak that there'll be a great cry. Read it for yourself. Then follows the institution of the Passover, as recorded in chapter 12, one of the greatest chapters in the Bible, which, Lord willing, we'll study in much detail next Lord's Day. But now, listen to chapter 12, just two verses, with that background of double darkness, threatened by death from the hands of Pharaoh, threatened by rebellion and possible death from the hands of the Israelites, and in a desperate situation, God speaks, Moses hears, Moses believes, and institutes the Passover. And the gist of it is this, in chapter 12, verses 12 and 13, here it is. Will you listen carefully and prayerfully? For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord, and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you, when I smite the land of Egypt. Why should this last judgment, the death of the firstborn, be expected to accomplish what the nine had failed to do? The children of Israel were standing there ready to go. Would the mere sprinkling of blood have such a remarkable effect? And furthermore, if the people of Israel were indeed to leave Egypt that same night, why should they be burdened with all the minute ceremonial observance at the very moment when they ought to be making preparation for their departure? For he had told them, Ye shall eat the Passover with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Moses, in such an hour, hears from God what he was about to do. And to the human mind, to human reasoning, to the sense and to the sight, it must have seemed so foolish 
so inadequate and quite unlikely, even ridiculous, to accomplish anything. And that's exactly what people are saying today about the shed blood of Christ. Away with it. I do not want the blood of Jesus. Don't believe in it. Sorry for you. But listen, why should they, the Israelites, taking a little lamb without spot or blemish, slay that lamb and strike the blood on the two side posts and on the upper door posts? Why should it accomplish anything? But God said, and that settles it with me, the blood, the shed blood of the Lamb shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the judgment shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land. And beloved, the judgments of God is recorded in Revelation, a repetition of the judgments of Egypt centuries ago is about to fall upon the land and the nation and the people and only those that are under the shed blood of the Lord Jesus, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, will be safe in the day of judgment. And I'm making it just as plain as I know how. Ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And the sixth chapter of Revelation records the words of those in the days to come, what they will do. When God comes in Christ, bringing judgment and wrath upon an ungodly world, listen, and the kings of earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman, every freeman will try to hide themselves from the face of him that sitteth upon the throne and hide in the dens and in the rocks, and say, The Lamb, listen, the great day of the wrath is come. Who shall be able to stand? And I say to you on the authority of God's Word, if it's the last sermon I ever preach, that the only place of salvation, security, is under the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. What will you do with Jesus? Will you trample underfoot the precious blood and do despite to the Spirit of grace and go out into eternity a lost soul? God forbid. Friend, in Radio Land, God has been speaking to you under conviction. Will you kneel by faith at the foot of the cross and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, and save me for Christ's sake? God bless you. I'm not going to take too much time to urge you. It's between you and God. What will you do with this man called Jesus? While our heads are bowed in this visible audience, Christians pray as we bring the old-fashioned revival hour to a close. How many will quickly put their hand up and say, Brother Fuller, pray for me. I want Christ as my personal Savior. I'd like to be remembered. God bless you. I'd like to be remembered in a word of prayer. Put your hand up. God bless you. Anyone else? Quickly, just before we 
God bless you. Leave the oath. God bless you, lady. Anyone else on the lower floor here? Put your hand up and say, pray for me. God bless you. God bless you. In the balconies to my left, anyone there? Put your hand up and say, pray for me. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. Continue in prayer as we leave the air. We'll have a short altar service at the close. Oh, no.